Hello and welcome to Something Rotten, the Call of Duty season. Blake and I have finished Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare and we are here to break it all down for you. It is bright and early on a Monday morning. Uh, Blake, yesterday you called this uh, a swagless game. <laughs> <laughs> are are we going to get into that? <laughs> this game does not fuck. Like, this game's an incel. It's just, you'd have, I, I don't know if I can explain it, the specifics of it. But if you play this game and you yourself fuck or have any just, like, baseline knowledge of style, being cool, not being a weirdo freak Reddit user, you'll understand. This game has no swag. <laughs> It's just like I, it's the most unfucking game ever. I'm not. I'm not sure I fully agree. Actually, this game has the fucking uh, style and charisma of a U.S. Army ad circa 2006, which appropriate. Yeah, that's when they were making them look like video games. They were like, <laughs> "You can fight a dragon." They're just Jacob. I wish, in retrospect, I wish we wouldn't have done a Call of Duty season because How two weeks dare ago. You? Two weeks ago, I had such a good memory of Call of Duty 4 as a, one of the only Call of Duty campaigns I like. This is the most boring goddamn game I've ever played. It never got better. Well, look, maybe maybe you'll discover a new one uh, with World at War. I'm, That's true. I had a very different experience, and I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to crack down into this because I like gameplay wise specifically. This last half, I I was in baby. I was feeling it. This is crazy to me. I don't know what happened to my brain over the last three years. Let me reiterate, listener. There was no nostalgia for me for this game. I only played it like three years ago for the first time. Had a great time. I don't know what happened to me. So why would kick us off? I'd rather hear your thoughts than me just complaining. Yeah, so when we left off, uh, a nuke had been detonated. That was the last big thing that we played for our last bit. And so essentially what this this later half of levels does is like stop switching off as much you are essentially just playing like the british troops for the for the rest of the game and i think i realized that like most of my gameplay frustrations were with the american missions that were like sure in the in the city before it got nuked you know i, I because those just felt maybe appropriately overwhelming i don't know but they were like they were not fun they weren't interesting it was just kind of like go down this crowded city street and there's going to be a guy that pops up every one second and this later half i just thought the kind of like the variety and mission structure really really shown for me i did look heard about it for fucking 15 years now all gillied up good mission uh, one cool. shot, one kill. Good mission. I actually played those now and was like, "Hey, people! People were not wrong. These these work." What's the There's... Coriolis effect? Is that the curve of the Earth? That's. I almost I I almost forgot, or I did completely forget that I was going to introduce this by telling you to adjust to the Coriolis effect. Yes, that is that is the way that the Earth turning. Right. affects movement which is uh complete bullshit in the game i was like i've read things that say you have to adjust for the coriolis effect no you yeah. don't you just click on the center of his torso and he yeah dies or he doesn't crazy die. crazy thing this game does is drop the two words coriolis effect and assume that the player knows what that means i was like I what I think I think that that's it's a great example of a game convincing you that you are doing something cooler than what you're doing. Um, right. Because this look for people who are not familiar, the mission one shot one kill is like a super duper duper long sniper shot. You're in a building, yeah. you shoot a guy like a mile away, and you can see a little flag and there's wind, and then uh you know your your captain says you'll also have to adjust for the coriolis effect and then you click yeah. on the center of the guy's torso and uh you blow his arm off but you feel great when you make that shot you really do the only thing you really have to adjust for is bullet drop 
Uh, yeah. Because I had to redo this because I did adjust for the Coriolis effect. I knew what it was. I just wanted oh, yeah. to tell the listener. Uh, I did adjust for it, and I had to reload the checkpoint and do it again because it made me miss. You know, it, it's a great example of something that the, the new Call of Duties have actually done in a way that I think is pretty interesting, though to less effect, which is like Modern Warfare 2, the new one, has an endless sniper mission but what is really interesting mm. is you aim at a guy and then I think it's still price is like, okay, he's, you know, 450 meters away. So aim right. four notches above and you actually oh, are like yeah. doing it. And that's, you know, that, that is a like real physics where in this, I think they're, they're kind of just faking it, but they fake it to a, you know, maybe a more cinematic angle where that new mission just goes on for so long and you just keep keep aiming yeah. three notches above people. That was one of those things that was like conceptually really cool and then in execution they just like botched so bad that level at Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Um but before we start talking about or before we really get into the all gillied up, the first mission here is uh y- you finally find Alisad. You're like you're going mm-hmm. through kind of like a small european village um basically resident evil 4 style (laughs) that's right you're fighting ganados um and and then he's just um the the dude you've been searching for is just in a barn and uh and i do feel like this is another uh defining call of duty thing where uh price just beats the shit out of him and then and then executes him and it's a very like being being the good guys isn't always easy like you know the kind of like morality gray but not really because i think you're still supposed to think price is a cool guy this dude dies so unceremoniously which is like fine we've talked in the some we talked recently about how the darkness kind of like that in games yeah yeah but this dude dies so quickly that i actually it took me a little while to realize it was alisad i think it was like a mission or two later when they said it explicitly i was like Oh, I guess that was that guy. <laughs> like it just happens in a flash. I I think in in that Racevic video, he points out that it's like it it's it's kind of covered by how much plot stuff is going on all the time. Yeah. He's like, "Why is this guy just in a barn? And how did someone know that he was in that barn? Like you just kind of like <laughs> go into this random village and he's there." Um and of course, it also pulls the thing of like turns out He's not the real bad guy. You know, he was just like the intermediary bad guy. And the real yeah. one is the Russian guy with one arm. Which, if that could you think of a more evil prototype or archetype than Russian guy with one arm? Hey, bald goatee, watch out for this guy. <laughs> Did you notice one of the characters? It's, I'm like jumping ahead, but one of the characters mispronounces his name in like such an American way. Oh, really? So the guy's name is, like, Zakayev. Uh-huh. And one of the characters later in the game calls him Zakayev. <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. And he's, like, the only dude in the game that does it. Probably true to life. Um, yeah. But, so so then, you, you entered all gillied up after this mission. So one of the things that I didn't realize is that it's a flashback mission. That you're mm-hmm. not in modern Chernobyl. You are there, uh, I don't know, like... 20 years ago it's kind of it's like rookie price right and then he's being led by his cool scottish commander did did it this is like a nitpick but like obviously jackson and soap you know the two characters you play as primarily Mm -hmm. in this game are are voiceless yeah did it bother you when you do play as soap that he or not soap when you do play as price in these flashbacks he becomes voiceless because he never shuts the fuck up in the game otherwise (laughs) I yeah, I figure you have to reach a certain uh rank in the you know military before you're allowed to <laughs> they speak. Let you talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, God, I wish his commander would have uh also took a cue from from you. You, what, you didn't like his voice, <sighs> Jacob. <laughs> I just don't like this game. At some point, I'm I'm just gonna be nitpicking it. But no, I didn't like him at all. He just drove me crazy. You know. Look, I thought he was very cool. I love a Scottish man. Uh, I love I love being talked to like that. Yeah, I thought I understand that. I just don't support the military military industrial complex. So oh, I and I guess I do. Scottish yeah, man. that's you got me. <laughs> uh, I I liked this was a mission that um, I really started. I I think the 
the kind of the sound design and the music really shown mm-hmm. here. Like there were these cool moments where you spend most of the mission not fighting. This is honestly right. probably boring for people who have heard uh, a decade of retrospectives of all gillied up. But, you know, you're sneaking around in your ghillie suits. You're almost invisible. You're in the tall grasses of Chernobyl, whatever. And you are primarily not fighting. You know, it it introduces, again, the kind of COD thing of like, okay, you snipe the guy on the right and I'll snipe the guy on the left. And you're, yep. you're taking out people quietly. Um but there are these, like, I think really thrilling moments where you are kind of running through a convoy of guys and then, like, diving down and getting on the ground. And, like, mm-hmm. when you start running, these cool drums come in and it makes it feel, you know, it's, I think it's a very effectively aping movie style moment, you know, where it is, like, the, the music feels really scripted to what you are doing exactly at that time. Uh, and then you lie down, and some guys walk right past you, and and that's also moment, a thing that moment. happens in every Call of Duty after this. I love when games have you doing stealth missions with another character, and then you, the, you like take out enemies at the same time together. Uh-huh. It always hits so hard for me, and it's making me wonder. I I don't know this. I don't know how we would know. Was this the game that? if not invented that idea, popularized it because it's now in like Uncharted's and Last of Us's and every other Call of Duty and probably Assassin's Creed. That's a great question. I mean, Assassin's Creed came out the same year, but it was the right. uh, the original, which doesn't have a lot of the kind of like Assassin's Creed things that we now think about. Also, I said that and I don't know if it is in an Assassin's Creed. The thing about those games is you're alone. Oh, sometimes you have. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder because thinking about yeah, prior stealth games, it's like you had Metal Gear Solids, but you are almost yeah. entirely alone in those. You have, I don't know, maybe something like Sly Cooper, it happens. I haven't played those games. Or, like, I I, I would guess one of the more tactical-leaning games, like a oh, SOCOM I'm sure. or yeah. a Ghost Recon back in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. you remember when Ghost Recon was, like, a hardcore tactical military sim, sim game? Well, that, I mean, that's what we were talking about last time, that, like, if you were a modern shooter you were like a tactical shooter, you know, yeah. that, that I bet those games, you had to do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. One of, um, we both, well, actually, I don't know how much you watched of it, but, uh, I was watching a video last night by the very good and, and underrated YouTube channel face full of eyes who has done this series on kind of like the aesthetics of various games. Uh, he's done like SOCOM four and, and he's also done, uh, Modern Warfare and World at War. So I'm interested in watching the World at War one for next time. But one of the things that he was talking about is like the idea of stealth basically did not occur in Call of Duty games prior to this because when you're in World War II, you know, it's like you can sneak up behind someone and hit them with the butt of your rifle. But as soon as you fire a shot, it, you know, there's no such thing as a silencer, basically. And so like this whole the whole aesthetic of the very stealthy gun proficient soldiers in COD 4 is something that can like only really happen in modern times with modern weaponry. Right. Another thing brought up in that video I found really interesting and this like speaks to just we couldn't play every Call of Duty and the lead up to this to have this like knowledge but the Faceful Vice, is that their name? Mm-hmm. Um, They talk about how this game isn't necessarily revolutionary like from a beat by beat standpoint because it's just aping the original call of duty which i felt like i was so glad to hear one for my own brain because if you would ask me i'd be like oh this is the game that changed everything and in some respects it obviously did but i think it's important to also like have that knowledge and be like oh it's kind of just like rebooting some of the old like narrative and level beats of like what made the first game work yeah it's really i mean great video we can it's just face full of eyes you know aesthetics of modern warfare or whatever um but he talks about he talks about like what's changed and what hasn't and and basically he's like the thing that has not changed is just like war is people killing each other you know that it's like that was true in world war ii it's true now whatever you do and and essentially the the interactions of like you clicking on a guy to shoot them with your gun and make them dead has not changed, even though the guns are very different. And what he identifies as like the biggest change is 
kind of what we we read last week of the developers talking about like what they wanted to do which is movement you know that like the ability mm-hmm. to like go between places is is just so revolutionized in modern warfare yeah. like the ability to get on a helicopter to like be you know go miles apart on the same battlefield in the same mission is something that if you are sticking to the rules of world war ii just doesn't happen and and then you know he kind of talks about movement in in so many other ways and kind of like the the movement of breaching the movement of repelling the movement of like doing all this and saying it's like you know war war has and has not changed it's still guys shooting each other with guns but like you know the the kind of your capabilities of moving around the battlefield are what's different and that's kind of you know that is interesting in in uh context of all gillied up because it is a mission where you just run from one place to another like you never get in a jeep or a helicopter you just like walk yeah. there interestingly to that point i would say one of the like defining mechanical features of the call of duty series going forward too would be character movement like crucially this game does not feature the slide which would come later Mm -hmm. but like the act of moving in call of duty especially as they've gotten gone on and iterated upon it like is one of the most engaging things about the game like it feels good to just move slide shoot move slide shoot it's why i played the multiplayer every year when it comes out for dozens if not hundreds of hours like so it's interesting to hear that brought up in a more like broader sense yeah and it's like one of the it's one of the little things in this game where you do notice its age you know or i actually i don't know if this is true in the remastered one but like there are fences that you would be able to hop over in any other Call of Duty game that you just, yeah. like, cannot hop over in this. Like, they just don't have kind of the same uh, mantling system that was present even in, like, Modern Warfare, the, the first Modern Warfare 2, you know? Yeah. And so it's, yeah. like, it's one of the only things, I think, that makes it feel like, oh, this is a game that came out right. in 2007. Um, going back to One Shot, One Kill. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that uh, standoff mission there at the end? Oh, well, let's, I guess let's talk about Chernobyl a little bit, like the setting of Chernobyl, because that's, you know, that's where all gillied up and, and one shot, one kill take place. Um, and, and I think it was, you know, in, when you were looking at the arc of the game, we talked about establishing stakes last episode of like, they blow yeah. up a nuke. This is what the bad guys do. I do think this is another fairly clever stakes establishing mission where it is like, look at this place that a bunch of people did live and then uh, not a nuclear bomb, but like a nuclear incident made it uh, a ghost town. We also learned that the the reason we're going there is the world's bad dudes uh, are going to Chernobyl and stealing the uranium to build right. nuclear bombs with, which, like, I thought was a really cool idea. I don't know if that actually happened in real life. I doubt it. Maybe. But <laughs> I am I am curious how, yeah, how impossible that is, because I am sure yeah. there is some reason that the world's bad dudes cannot simply go to Chernobyl and steal uranium. But it is... It's an interesting idea. I would I would guess the reason they can't is because of the the uranium in Chernobyl. <laughs> you can't just want... maybe. Yeah, I mean, but it is also it's one of those things where it's like you read about now. It's like I think in the popular cultural imagination, Chernobyl is a place where it is like you step in there, you die, and it's like actually most of it is like certainly walk aroundable. You know, yeah, and there yeah. are there are actually people who live there, although it, it's like weird, weird situations for that. But like you can go on a tour. There are places that you have to stay out of, but there's a lot of places that you can go and are just empty as hell. And so, you know, the most striking uh, aesthetic parts of these missions are running through these completely empty apartment buildings, um, you know, setting up setting up in this empty apartment or uh, in one shot, one kill. Uh, being by a Ferris wheel and and uh, fending off b- one million guys who start running at you. This shows up in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance as well in their Chernobyl themed uh, level. God, is that is that actually Chernobyl or is it just meant? I to, think it's like, like based be reminiscent on it. Of, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Is 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 the Ferris wheel? Is that a real thing? Oh, it's in... that's real, baby. Okay. That's there. 
I hate to, I hate to, okay, yeah, yeah, the pre-piot amusement park. I hate to uh, expose my ignorance here. I know very little about Chernobyl other than the broadest strokes. Um, so, yeah, didn't know there was a first. Well, you were such a fan of the Last of Us TV show that I'm sure you're going to go and watch the Chernobyl TV show now. I was thinking yesterday how I need to watch Chernobyl. That, that show, very good. Uh, a, a good show. Because here's the thing. I, I, I like the parts of The Last of Us. I will keep this so blessedly brief. I like the parts of The Last of Us that are not The Last of Us the game so much that I want to see Craig Mazin doing something else, which granted he didn't uh, invent the story of Chernobyl wholesale. History did that. but Oh, you should uh, check out a scary movie. Oh, you know, he... Did work on the um, the grudge skit from what it, whichever scary movie it is, where instead of having the young child speak Japanese, they just say Japanese proper nouns such as like Toyota Nissan. It's yeah, it, horrifically very racist. Sensitive. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk and about no, Call of Duty. <laughs> I think I think you would like I think you would like Chernobyl the show, but um, gameplay wise. That was that was a moment where uh, essentially I was very glad I was playing with a mouse um, because oh, sure. it is just this sniper mission where you have a million guys running at you. And I don't know if it's the weapon itself or maybe just the interaction with mouse and keyboard, but like a lot of the sniper rifles in this game have essentially no recoil. And so it just becomes click on the bad guys simulator and like tell you what i'm pretty good at clicking on bad guys and so i did not have too much trouble with that but i mean that was yeah, a yeah. point where even racevic in his video brought up like this shit sucks like that's it's, so hard it's really hard uh my here's a little pro strat for you when the enemies start repelling down just throw a grenade where they're gonna land and the cook time is long enough that like you'll get three or four by the time they go boots on the ground. I did like, I liked shooting them off those repels because oh, they would sure. just like pop out at very regular interview inter- intervals and it'd be like, boop, 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 boop. I mean, I, again, I, I really liked a lot of this mission. I think it's very cool that um, uh, the guy you're with gets injured and then you have yeah. this kind of strategy of like, I can't shoot when I'm holding him but also he can cover me when I put him mm-hmm. down. So like, where can I put him down that he'll be able to shoot and I'll be able to shoot and, and all of that. Like, I really, yep. you know, I, it, it is that pleasurable experience of playing something that a million people have said is good or watching a movie that a million people have said is good and being like, you know what? They were all right. Like that. I, right. I really, I really did have a good time with these levels. I also like these levels, but I, I'd played them before. So like it didn't, it wasn't landing particularly hard for me, but I went uh-huh. through it being like, yeah, it's that cool shit. It's that cool shit. One thing I want to point out really quick, I noticed I had the IGN walkthrough open while I was playing this just so I could know how far I was. They mm-hmm. changed a bunch of the mission names in the second half of this in the remastered version oh, of the game. That's Not sure interesting. Why. Yeah, it's like two or three that uh, have different names than they did in the original. Um, so this next mission is is another just kind of like uh, kill a billion people mission. Um, but it is one that has, again, it's like they're throwing in what I feel like was missing in the beginning of the game was like, they're just throwing in these little gameplay twists. And in this, you're essentially like defending a couple houses on a hill. The mission, at least in the original is called weathering the storm. Um, And, and what you have is like, they've set up C4 all over the hills. And so you have these little like interesting moments of like deciding when there are enough guys on the hillside to blow up the C4 and like kill as many as possible. And it's just like, this is what I would describe as like the prototypical COD level, which is like, there's really no story to speak of. You kill so many more people than, you know, it, it, it approaches absurdity, but they have a little gameplay twist. It's polished enough. Uh, you shoot a javelin at some tanks, yeah. and you feel cool. That's it. <laughs> no further thoughts. Brain empty. Brain brain empty. Um, and that goes on. Honestly, there are 
there are a couple levels like that. There's one yeah. where you're chasing down. I guess this is another like shocking COD moment is you're chasing down uh, Zakayev's son, son, his son. Um, and, and it's like a big, a big kind of scripted chase level. And then you reach him on a roof. Uh, and instead of being captured, he shoots himself. Which, like, of course he does. It did not feel like a well-thought-out plan to me. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was... Uh, I was honestly a little confused why Okay. Why okay. he did that. Because I guess... Here's, here's my question. When we are in... When we are in the Middle East, you get the idea that the people you're fighting are fanatics of some kind. I don't get the feeling that Zakhaev is a fanatic. He feels like just a uh, warmonger and so i guess my question is like why was did his son just like so not want to give up secrets or did he think he was going to get tortured or is he so loyal to his father i feel like all all three maybe all three yeah i mean the the the, uh, united states would definitely torture him we'd love that shit yeah um you gotta assume some loyalty to your war. I mean, I did, Jacob. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your your father not a warmonger, correct? Yeah, you could say that. But you, but like, even you, you would still assume some loyalty to him, right? Like, yeah, I I, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> if the U.S. Army was gonna torture your dad, <laughs> would you give yourself up or cut off their only lead, which is mm. you? By shooting yourself. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Um, yeah, this I don't know. The, it, a weird trolley problem for the gamer age. <laughs> I do feel like it It was another moment of the game being, like, I guess it felt it felt more like a, um, you know, oh, these guys are, like, total zealots. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't understand how into it they are, which I thought, Personally, I just thought the story got more interesting when that was not the tact mm-hmm. behind the the enemies. Something actually that I do want to talk about um, related to the broader story, and this was brought up in in Noah Caldwell Gervais' uh, old video that he did covering all of the Call of Duty campaigns. Um, and in the one on four, something that he mentioned that I feel like I should have got but didn't and i also don't think that like racevic talked about this is that you know in the theme of this being a post 9-11 post iraq war game the he was like it's fairly obvious that like al-assad and and by proxy zakayev are doing all of this stuff like or when they when they assassinate the president at the very beginning you know like that first mission they do that in order to motivate an invasion, you know, that that it's like and and when you start thinking about kind of like that, the links to 9-11 and the Iraq war are very clear where they essentially do this like one big bombastic thing in order to get the Americans to invade. And then when the Americans invade, everything goes so fucked up so immediately that it kind of works as further propaganda right. for them i i think the game is stronger when it's leaning and maybe, maybe we can circle back to this i think like ignoring the thieves and real world similarities to the story like the story works better when al-assad is the enemy mm-hmm. than zakayev who god now even i can't pronounce it zakayev <laughs> Then the other guy, I think that stuff was the more interesting parts of Call of Duty, was exploring this, like, American interventionism that goes just, like, so wrong for us that by the time we switch gears and we're just chasing this, like, Russian archetype of evil, like, it becomes this badass simulator that I'm not super down with. I don't know if I'm getting away with what getting getting away from what you were starting to talk about, but, like... I didn't like the story as much when it shifts gears here to a new enemy. I I agree that it feels like there is much less commentary in the second yeah. half. You know, in the the at the beginning, the AC-130 feels like commentary. The nuke feels like commentary. The whole way that the Americans operate feels like it has a point. In this, I I as I said, I liked the gameplay much better. I enjoyed playing yeah. the game more. But I yeah, I think the treatment of like Price's unit is just less interesting. Like the game has yeah. less to say about them other than 
uh, that's cool. I do, uh, other than they are cool, uh, sorry. Right. I do think that the, you know, something they were clearly attempting to do, and I think works on some level, is the fact that in this one-shot, one-kill mission, you supposedly kill Zakaev, and then he's back. I mean, basically, it makes Price feel like the main character of the story. Sure. You know, because it's like, like, Zakaev's whole deal is is that he is this ghost that has come back to haunt Price after he thought he killed him, whereas the other people that you're playing as don't really have any relationship yeah, to him. I I don't know. Price, in general, I just kind of hate <laughs> as a video game character what he has stood for in the broader context of Call of Duty in general mm-hmm. after this game that, like, even going back going back to an earlier iteration of him, maybe with pure intentions, is like colored so deeply by my cynicism towards him as a character. Yeah. Ten to fifteen years later that it's like, I just hate him. I don't want to hear him talk. I hate him playing as him. Like I just I just hate this character so much. One of one of the things that I am interested in if there's like a Call of Duty scholar out there who knows better than I do, because I, I don't think it's the case. It's like, I just want to know if Price has ever been wrong, you know, because like the 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 plot of every game is essentially like you might disagree with his techniques, but damn, you can't deny that he yeah. gets results. And it's like just once I want him to, uh, I don't know, decide to fucking nuke Washington, D.C. <laughs> and then it's like, no, Price, that was like a bad move. I don't know why you did Dang. that. Didn't Price blow up the International Space Station? Well, what happens, of course, in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, is he detonates a nuclear bomb over Washington, D.C., which causes an right. EMP that knocks all right. the like Russians out of the airspace, but it also does destroy the International Space Station and that poor astronaut that was out there. The Call of Duty games are so intellectually and creatively bankrupt that literally every big moral dilemma in the series is a nuclear an, exacer- bomb. an exacerbated version of the trolley problem. Is it worth it to save Washington but sacrifice the International Space Station? You tell me. Well, but I think, I mean, fundamentally, that is that is their take on modern warfare. You know, like, sure. it's not, I don't think it's just uh, laziness in script writing. It is the perspective of the series. Is is that, like, do you, do you get dirty so other people can stay clean? Right, yeah. Which, you know, is, like, is hint, is... Is referencing that famous price line from Modern Warfare 2019. We get our hands dirty to keep the world mm-hmm. clean. But it's like, I think it's such a profoundly uninteresting story to tell. Because it's like, it's been done. We've been here. We've done that. It's a stupid issue. It's stupid to like play it over and over and over. And I think maybe part of my hatred for this game these days is it's something we kind of maybe didn't talk about because it was just a wild coincidence so we started playing this on the anniversary the 20 year anniversary of the iraq war yep sure did um and i've just been thinking a lot about the iraq war as people in their uh late 20s should probably do at this point and i also watched the new york times just put out a fairly good documentary following um three or four veterans from it and then like the wild i guess just tonal whiplash i get from like playing this game negates any i i understand it has commentary i think it's loose and not great at all but like i guess kudos to it for having Uh it when most call of duties eschew a lot of that but like i just found myself so frustrated borderline angry playing this while also like thinking about the Iraq war 20 years later. And like, and even like, even, even in like that New York times documentary, like it hints at what they were doing to the Iraq people, but it's, it's very American centric, which is fine. Like it's a thing about veterans. And then you play this and there's just no mindfulness to that. And part of it's probably it's era, but I think if they put out another call of duty about like Middle Eastern conflict. And even if they set it in 2002, you know, it would just be this like hoorah thing that it's like, I think it's just hard for me to give this game the time of day 
when at the same time I'm like consuming a lot of like real world anecdotes and stories about like how bad we really fucked this up for Iraq, but also like for our veterans, which is the uh, tale as old as time for the United States Army. Yeah. But it's just like I can't I can't get down with this game because of that. I think I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing that you've identified here that they're all variations on the trolley problem and i'm really curious if that trend is present in world at war because what it seems like to me is that the if you are going to depict modern warfare it is kind of so on its face unethical that you have to make that a theme because if you don't you just seem like a lunatic, you know, that, that yeah. like, like that AC-130 mission is, is an act of, of mass murder, you know, like that, yeah. that scene where it's like, you are entirely safe and you kill 400 people. And like, if, if you don't have the theme of this is a bad thing, but we're preventing a worse thing, then then it's like it, it, it feels genocidal and so it's like you know it feels like they've kind of painted those themselves into this place where they want to have the things that happen in modern warfare happen and i'm using that in quotes of like doing no knock raids on houses and yep. and going into populated towns and doing all of this stuff and that all just seems so awful that the way that they've chosen to acknowledge it is by saying, we know this is awful, but we got to do it anyway. I guess the the story I want from Call of Duty is to... <laughs> Let me know if this is too dark. Uh, for you to play as a 19-year-old kid who thinks no-knock raids are good until he does one or two, and he realizes this war is bad, it's helping no one, and then he has to be stuck there for a year, which is like the story of the Iraq war, you know, like there were 19 year old kids who went over there to, to get to get to kill the infidel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and within a year we're like, I am a cog in a profoundly fucked up machine. Yeah. And in Call of Duty, it eschews all that by being like, you are a good guy who must commit just a, a few teensy war crimes to, uh, you know, prevent 9-11 part two. And it's like, Okay, well, you know, AC-130 is cool and all, but it's just like, I just can't get past it in 2023. It sounds like what you want is... Um, Spec the, Ops the line, the I guess. Best, no, the best YouTube video of all time, which is that video where the VR chat Winnie the Pooh talks to uh, Anakin oh, uh, yeah, Skywalker. Uh, yeah, uh, this I've is, seen that, yeah. No, I know, it's but amazing. this is, uh, the video is called Guy in VR Talks About Their Worst Day as a Soldier by the channel... Uh, Sirmor, S-Y-R-M-O-R, um, and it is just, it, it is this weird hyper-reality of, like, they're in VR chat, so they look like they're in, you know, Alice in Wonderland, and it's an Anakin Skywalker, and he's talking about his time in the military, where he was, like, a, yep. a gunner in an AC-130, essentially, and killing people, and yep. it is this, you know, incredibly disturbing tale of disillusionment and how he kind of like got okay with killing people and then how he didn't again uh and and yeah i mean i it's like i don't know how a game would do that and spec ops the line attempts that and you know uh call of duty modern warfare 2019 uh also attempts to like interact with the people who are affected because you play as as uh farah and her brother as like child soldiers But then, ultimately, their story is, well, they join the U.S. military. You know, like, they help them out because yeah. because their goals are the same, which is also so transparently a piece of propaganda that, like, children raised in a war zone, you know, that was created by the U.S. would ultimately be like, well, we have the same yeah. goals. Here's a question, a broad question with no real clear-cut answer uh-huh. that's maybe in bad faith to ask. At what point should people feel bad for working on and playing the Call of Duty games just as inherently? At what point should I feel bad for getting... Granted, I haven't paid for a Call of Duty in years. I get them for free. Full disclosure. What point should I feel bad for, like, just going on podcasts and be like, yeah, multiplayer is sick. At what point should you feel bad for, like, 
being a lighting artist on these games because you're still just a cog in this evil machine. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. And we did have that conversation recently in an episode that I think will be, oh, I suppose it's the, it's the, yeah, the Q&A for the darkness, um, where we were talking about should people, because um, here's here are the, the two questions. So what we talked about in the darkness is like, is is this attraction to rotten media uh is it bad or you know should should yeah. people maybe feel bad about watching these things that are often very dark exploitative yeah. whatever at least in themes if not you know literally like people are not being mm -hmm. uh, directly harmed and ultimately i don't i don't want to misrepresent your position but I think you were like, it's basically fine as long as it's not kind of affecting who you are as a person, right? Yeah, I think the issue with Call of Duty is there's like a, a direct Call of Duty to joining the military pipeline that there's not well, a... I, I mean, I, I think that's true, but I do think that like, hey, look, we both recently saw John Wick 4, thought that movie fucking ruled. Yeah. Those movies are like gun fetishist wet dreams. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like the way that they talk about like pistols in those movies is is pretty gross as someone who like yeah. doesn't think that people should have access to those kind of firearms generally. Right. Um but I don't think that people making John Wick should necessarily feel bad. And so it is just this question of like yeah. where is because I do think that Call of Duty is is far more propagandistic than John Wick. But it speaks to the difficulty of kind of laying down yeah. these ethical lines. I guess, like, I, I recognize, like, my question is flawed in that, that it would take us three seasons of this podcast to get halfway to an answer here. Uh -huh. But, like, John Wick is such... It, it has guns and it's based in the real world, but it's high fantasy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's, like, cabal and of, like, secret assassins and all mm -hmm. this bullshit. Um, and that's fine to me. But, like, Call of Duty is rooted in such realism that it feels less okay to me. You know I what agree. I'm saying? Like, like there's no, like, separation of church and state there the way there is for John Wick. Because, like, John Wick, that, that shit's not real. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Modern Warfare, well, it does because it's Modern Warfare, you know? And it's like, I think that's where it makes it more, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say evil because it's not evil to play a Call of Duty game ethically weird yes and it's like it's this i want to like say this is not a finger pointing thing because i play every call of duty and put every single one with the caveat that it's the multiplayer in game informer as my on my top 10 game of the year list every year i love these fucking games but as i've gotten older i have felt weirder about participating in them yeah and i think i think the the strange intersection of reality and fantasy yeah. is is so hard to to find in these games because like i mean this is actually i think it's related to you calling this swagless and and face <laughs> full of eyes uh says a similar thing in a a more complimentary way but essentially saying that like a lack of style is the style here you know, that yeah. that everything is so kind of utilitarian to give the impression that this is real. Like, it's not a video game. They're not doing fancy reloads. They're not, like, you know, doing all this unnecessary cool-looking shit. This is how it would really be. But, of course, that's not true. Because it's like, you know, real life does not have car chases in the way that this Call of Duty game has car chases. And real life doesn't have, like, you know you rappelling down into a Russian bunker to stop 30 nuclear bombs from going yeah. off. And so it's like, it is it is so invested in seeming real and yet telling stories of the military that don't happen, you know, that are I fantasies. Think, I believe it's in the first Call of Duty. Maybe it's even the first mission. It's the Storming Normandy mission while uh -huh. you're in the boat. Which is also like Medal of Honor's big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's Medal of Honor, but I think it's Call of Duty that does it. One of the people in the boat, when you're on your way to the beach, one of these kids starts puking. And I think that is such a more profoundly powerful image than the whole of Call of Duty 4. To be like, keep in mind, 
what is about to happen is horrific. This kid can't control his body because he, like, knows he's about to die a horrible death. Not Mm -hmm. an honorable death. A horrible death. And I think that is more powerful as, like, just a piece of iconography in a video game than every than this whole thing front to back yeah because i essentially every character in this game is so professionalized that their their personhood is almost secondary you know it's like they they got characters they got little quirks but the number one thing about them is they can reload an m16 in like half a second flat you know like that is far more important about them than like and so of course they would never puke because what they are primarily is like a thing that can handle a gun perfectly and that's not how modern warfare operates i mean i understand they're like highly specialized like squads that go out but they don't fight in large-scale conflicts like a lot of the um, non-SAS missions in this. Those are just kids, you know? There's, like, a really interesting quote in that New York Times piece, uh, which is on YouTube. I recommend going to watch it. It's just, like, you know, talking to veterans 20 years later about the Iraq War or something like that. It's got a better headline than that, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, That talks about, like, yeah, we go through training, but then you're there. And it's like, oh, yeah, like... You know, I could train every day to play in the NBA, but it's going to be something else when I'm on the court. It's going to feel different. And then you blow that up to by a million times. And it's like, where are these specialized, you know, kid rock badasses in the actual Iraq war? It's like, no, they were kids that just graduated high school. A lot of them might have been virgins. You know, it's like, I might cut that out. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just, I just can't fuck with it, Jacob, because this game, I hate it. I just hate this game. The more I talk about it, the more I fucking despise it. There is uh, one of my favorite scenes in the in the TV show Barry is he's... Um, he's describing he's at he's in this theater class and they're like supposed to like reenact you know a moment from their life where they did something and so he is uh theoretically the teacher's like hey tell us about like the first time you killed someone and and he so he gives essentially the hollywood version of it where he like did it and then he's like Oh my God! What what did I do? You know, I took a man's life, and then it flashes back to the real first time he killed someone, which is like in yeah Iraq or Afghanistan, and he's like sniping dudes three miles away on a hill, and and he like shoots all of them, and everyone in the bunker is like, "Holy shit! Barry actually hit all of them! Barry, Barry!" And they're like hyping him up, and the point of the scene is not that he does not have ptsd because he does but it is that like the kind of the and and this is where i think even the kid vomiting in the boat on in d-day doesn't necessarily or normandy like doesn't doesn't effectively capture it because it is this kind of impossible thing to capture of like sure i do think that that a lot of the urawness of call of duty is actually present in modern warfare in that like they talk about going to see those guys operate and like they say that is how they talk and while i think they're taking creative liberties obviously because it's a video game i believe them that that like dudes do kind of talk like this oh yeah i mean but like that doesn't you know just just because it is such a superficial take that they kind of they see they see these aesthetics and they copy them down into the game and then like that's all you get when in reality you have this like far deeper and i i realize i say in reality referencing a tv show neither of us are combat veterans you know so so we're not speaking about this. i've fought on the front lines of the console wars for years oh, there we go you know i just i think it is ultimately the the trauma of war is something that is impossible to capture in this yeah. kind of video game and and maybe it's kind of like refer like it's attempts to acknowledge it feel hollow and then when they don't acknowledge it at all yeah it also feels hollow so i really i i don't know what you do with this you know i don't i don't know how you fix it i think that thing you brought up where the developers are like this is what they actually talk about is such a profoundly stupid 
thing to say because it's like, on the one hand, it's true. On the other hand, a lot of people do that to try and mask the realities of how horrific what is happening yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the Barry thing, basically. Yeah, if you don't downplay it, like, your brain will break. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a defense mechanism. So it's like, yeah, they talk like that. Why? Did you ask them why? Or did you just go take it at a surface level? Oh, it's just... I, I think, luckily, we have a lot smarter of an audience than uh, the Game Informer audience who would probably be filling the comments with, like, it's just a game. Why do you care so much? And it's like, we should care more. We should not write this stuff off. I think in general, we should expect more of the things we spend our precious hours doing. And I yeah. can't believe they got away with this. I can. I cannot believe it. It's not a surprise they got away with this garbage. Yeah, well, and, and what kind of, what sucks is I do think that COD 4 comes close to some of that you know you can sure. you can essentially in this game you can see it slip away that like yeah. that ac-130 mission is interesting you know the 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 uh, american idiotic invasion of a place where they ultimately get nuked is interesting you know but then even even the credits of this game are an ac they're just playing footage of the ac-130 mission and i was like it feels like they're already doing away with the meaningfulness. You know, it's like, yeah. it, it just feels like after they made what could be a profound statement, they were just like, and here are all the developers that made this game over this footage of an AC-130 blowing the shit out of people. Um, and and it, it really, it just, it feels like you're watching it. Let's let's move on. Away. Otherwise, I'm going to get stuck here and we're well, going to talk for um, hours. Okay, here's, here's a... a comparison i'm going to make that i know is going to make you mad but i did think about it uh which is the end of this game did remind me of uh bayonetta what oh I, what I, I didn't i i'm not hearing you say what but i assume that's what you're saying what how <laughs> because and and here is why um it did feel like a game that was um, and I don't say this negatively, even though we just, uh, I think, tore, tore this game to shreds. Um, a game that is kind of in love with itself, you know, that, that mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. one of one of the positives about this game and what's why reading about the development is cool is you get the, the feeling that, like, during development, they had the sense that this is going to be a big deal. Sure. You know, and I think that's that's really... It's like it's interesting when that happens where sometimes things come up and are surprisingly big deals, but sometimes people know it. And so the end of this game being just such a kind of victory lap where they show the AC-130, which is commentary bad, but, you know, maybe their most memorable mission. Uh, And then they have a rap and then you play a completely superfluous mission where you're just like fighting through an airplane and it is really fun and it's just this like extra credits mission in the same way that bayonetta has this like music video on just like bonus fights that you fight through during the credits where it did just feel like it was you know it's like i feel like games that were uh horrible experiences to make do not have those types of kind of victory lap endings sure you know like it didn't it it, i i I enjoyed feeling at the end of this like the game kind of i don't know was again proud of itself sounds gross given what we just talked about but like as a game i think this is a compelling piece of of design and i liked that it had this kind of like celebratory thing at the end and the level that you fight on the airplane is fun and cool i think yeah when i heard that rap song i have never skipped anything quicker in my life i forgot about you play the airplane mission oh yeah that that shit was good let's do a season on the airplane so fun so i i by this point i was on the easiest difficulty which makes that airplane mission it it makes you feel like John Wick. It was wild how fun it was flying through that thing. I had a blast. Um, did you, the picture that pops up in the end, mm-hmm. you have any strong feelings about that? Because I know Face Full of Eyes like really liked it. And I was like, washed over me. But I was checked out by this point. Yeah, I 
I honestly thought it spoke to the failure of the game as establishing anyone except Price as a character because like I couldn't <laughs> yeah. have even really told you who the other people in that picture were and and it is yeah it's it's this old photograph and face full of eyes notes like look at how melancholy this is three out of these four people are dead you know like is isn't that a commentary and I saw it and I was like who are these people yeah I genuinely did not realize that's who they were other than Price of course who that was until i watched that video i was like huh right on dude i'll watch the folding ideas video now yeah <laughs> no that's that's like the the faceful of eyes video is fantastic um i do highly recommend it yeah and and if you are i think if you are interested in hearing a really introspective thoughtful take on this game that is more positive you know because it's like yeah w- I, I think i really think they are a a great thinker and also they like this game much more than us and i that's yeah. that's fine um but it's yeah it, it it is this weird kind of you know i think i especially the it kind of another thing that it establishes in call of duty stories is like there are so many fine point details that just don't matter you know yeah. that it's like these stories are designed for you to not understand most of them and just kind of get uh, Russian guy launching nukes. Uh, you know, the Middle Eastern place, bad dictator. You know, and so it's like all all of the characters, and this is true, like up through the modern ones, you'll have like one or two people per game that are actually people, and then usually the people you play are just like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't know. I have a gun and I can reload fast. You yeah. know, that's what I know about him. One thing we didn't talk about is when Zakayev launches numerous nukes at the united states and a screen flashes up with an estimated casualty number and it's 41 million people hey probably probably correct would that be the most people that ever died at one time in like i mean conflict you know it's like i don't know how many people died during like you know the pandemics of of yesteryear no 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 i mean like one time boom sure Dead. you know I, I almost certainly yeah i guess the dinosaurs would have issues with us saying that but they do they people. consider themselves people <laughs> well they don't consider themselves anything but fucking atoms now because they're dead got them um yeah. yeah that part was very uh i don't know very like mission impossible like the nukes are already in the air you gotta you gotta stop them and again that's the direction that it goes in the future is just kind of like these these just like completely you know i i think as as grounded as the game wants to be the final stakes being 41 million people could die in one nuclear strike does kind of bring it back to like saturday morning cartoon level of right. uh, storytelling it one of the places so it's they're gonna nuke like new york dc i think boston then like a couple weird places in like the Virginias, and I'm like, I'm not really sure what's there, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they're like a uh, secret nuclear launch silos there or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it made me think. I, I, I'm sure there's p- plenty of writing, scholarly theorizing on nuclear war, but it it started. I started thinking about like, what if a nuke did go off in new york or a city of that caliber you could think like a shanghai or a tokyo or any of these like places where the world economy works it's like would what's the reality of a world leader actually nuking a city like that because it feels like it would cripple the world entirely if you just took out new york yeah i mean i you know generally i think the idea is that it is uh, you know mutually assured destruction uh, yeah. I guess that's more true. That was more true when uh, countries were the superpowers, whereas now it seems more likely it would either be launched by kind of a rogue state like North Korea or or just kind of like a, a non-state actor, yeah. essentially. You know, but, but in the Cold War, at least, the idea was like, well, if one goes off, essentially the world ends because, like, the response right. by everyone is so... It would be so catastrophic that it would never simply be one bomb going off that's kind of like the idea of i guess if you want to like reduce it to saying it's a safety net of mutually shared destruction it's like no one would want to do that um yeah i don't know i was just kind of thinking about that last night it's like 
if you nuke New York, even with no even with no nuclear retaliation, like it would take decades, if not a hundred years, to put the world back in order. It's like you would fuck your own country there. And I guess unless you're North Korea, what does New York mean to North Korea? Yeah, the, you know, the, you know, the idea. Look, the, this is this is besides the point. But yeah, I think it's uh, you know, the bringing down the world economy would be the goal, not a. Uh, not a side effect you know uh sometimes actors say uh unique new york to uh warm up their Mm. vocal cords but now we've got new york York. (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one that was a good one reagan loved that one she's standing up for it um Uh, you know we didn't really talk at all about the the multiplayer of this which like we don't generally talk about the multiplayers but like you know for all we've talked about the campaign obviously the biggest contribution this game had to uh the world was was its multiplayer and that feels like the the thing that's changed everything uh did you play cod 4 multiplayer no when did you hop on board warzone what you said you played all of these that 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 was like four years ago (laughs) i've gone back and retroactively played like most of the campaigns okay yeah it was warzone I, started... I mean, so so no, like, I've played, like, zombies and black ops and, uh-huh. like, Nazi zombies and all that shit. And, like, you know, couch co- like couch multiplayer when they would have those. But, like, I didn't become, like, a freak for Call of Duty until Modern Warfare 2019. I, I started playing Modern Warfare 2 was my big multiplayer one. That was that. And, and really my first big multiplayer game, period, you know. And, and it certainly was the the xp system the kind of yeah. like uh unlocking perks and attachments and camos and everything that that modern warfare introduced that uh that i found so compelling about it um and i i really think you know i am i am curious if like how much how much does call of duty multiplayer uh result in the kind of weird battle pass world that we live in now because oh, i sure. do think it's it's fairly easy to draw like you know, it's kind of amazing that those games didn't have a battle pass. Speaking from yeah. 2023, that you would just simply buy the game and you had all this multiplayer progression and you couldn't like buy things to make it go faster unless you were paying someone to jailbreak your Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> were people doing that? that yeah, the, all those Prestige 10 emblems, you think they all got them legitimately? No, sir. It's a fun fact. I have to assume, without having the raw data in front of me, but I assume Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 is the game I have played the most in my life. In your life? That one. Yeah. I mean, that's because, like, pandemic hit, right? So it was was like 2020, Blake at home, playing Warzone all day. But I mean, pandemic for a while, you launched into Warzone through mo- the Modern Warfare app. I think it's a little different now. Um, so like they were tied together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I played. I don't even know. I mean, now that I say that's like, what? It was Fortnite getting close, probably. But I don't know. Like we I play Fortnite almost exclusively with Jacob, but we do not do play sessions that even get close to as long as I would play Modern Warfare for a single sitting. Yeah. Um and and so it is, you know, it's like it is it is maybe a little silly that we've spent so much time talking about Call of Duty campaigns when like this series including to Blake Hester is like nothing but multiplayer. Um but I do think that Yeah, I mean, I play the campaigns. And I do I do think that even though the multiplayer is generally the, you know, the bigger draw the essentially the kind of aesthetics of the multiplayer are still built from they they still come from the single player, you know, like yeah. when when you listen to those developers talking about wanting to develop modern warfare, they are talking about the campaign. You know, when they talk about like we wanted people yeah. to be able to move around the battlefield and be on helicopters. It's like that's campaign stuff. That doesn't that doesn't happen in the multiplayer. And so I still think that the 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 campaigns are very kind of informing of the larger whole. Anyway, uh next next week we're going back in time, baby. One one's game in the future, and then uh, I don't know seventy years in the past. War never changes. We got some guests coming up too. Got some guests coming up too. I think. I hope. I don't know. I'm saying this, and maybe we will. I, look, I would. I never announce a guest until they're on the podcast. Well, maybe the guest 
is Reagan, my dog. You'll have to wait and Maybe. find out. We can Ra- guarantee at least. The, the second time Reagan has shown up in a Call of Duty game. Um, <laughs> uh, before we end, I do just want to say that old news uh, a little at this point. We're recording episodes out of order. Uh, but uh, the most important game in both of our lives, Resident Evil 4, recently received a remake. Blake and I had a spoiler-filled chat uh, for like an hour, 45 minutes, where we just talked through that whole damn thing resident evil 4 not a rotten game but like a game that we both want to talk about so that's available on the nebula feed of this podcast uh yeah uh blake resident evil 4 good game 9.5 on gameinformer.com baby turns out good game uh for blake hester uh my name is jacob geller this has been something rotten we are done with call of duty 4 colon modern warfare we are heading into call of duty world at war it'd be crazy if a world war actually happened